Welcome, friends. Wonderful to be together this morning worshiping God. I welcome you from wherever you might be watching this and whenever you might be watching it. If you're watching with us live here uh, in Bundaberg or if you've woken up early to watch this, welcome to you. It is special to be together and to know that we are bound together by God's Holy Spirit. And if you're watching this on the recording or listening to it on the podcast, know that the Spirit transcends time and space and still binds us together as we listen to His teachings and as we follow the Word of God this morning. Special word of welcome if you're joining with us for the first time. And if you'd like to catch up on our series called Soul Keeping, which is caring for the most important part of you, uh, have a look on our YouTube channel and you'll find uh, all of the sermons are there. You can also catch up on the podcast, on Apple Podcast or on Spotify and uh, catch up on the sermon series that way. As we begin this morning, let me greet you with these words. May the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. If you are by yourself, I have greeted you with those words and I receive them back. If you are with family and friends, take a moment now just to bless them with God's peace. <coughs> Excuse me. Friends, I mentioned our sermon series. <clears throat> We're continuing in our journey on soul keeping. And once again, I would like to just give acknowledgement to uh, the author of the book by the same title, Soul Keeping, written by John Ortberg, which has formed the basis of the sermon series. But I've also used several other authors as well, Dallas Willard, Eugene Peterson, Gordon MacDonald, amongst others. And I would like to just give credit to them and, uh, and to acknowledge their ministry in providing material such as this. Shall we begin with a word of prayer? Lord God, we worship and adore you. We praise you with heart and soul and body and mind and spirit. We come into this moment where, uh, wherever we are in the world, at whatever time we're watching this, and we thank you that in this moment you seek to speak to us, to connect with us. You seek to draw us into your presence and allow, us, allow our souls to experience that, that sense of togetherness with you. You seek to integrate us, body, mind, heart, soul, and spirit with the Word of God and with the will of God. Lord, that you would take the time for this, that you would care so much about us, your creation, that you would love us so much as to do this for us, is truly a, a truth that is so magnificent we cannot comprehend. We cannot comprehend that a God who is <clears throat> as powerful and as almighty as you knows each of us by name, cares about the worries we have, wants to be part of every moment of our days, seeks to journey with us through the, the highs and the lows of what life throws along the path. But we rejoice, Lord God, that your grace is such. We rejoice that your love reaches into our lives and draws us to you. We rejoice, Lord, that our souls have a, a sense of yearning for you in the present and in the future. We rejoice, Lord God, that in you we find hope. 
that in you, Lord, we find a sense of purpose and we find forgiveness and love. We pray, Lord, that as we journey through this worship service, we may be mindful of the love that is given to us through, through Christ on the cross, of the grace and forgiveness that is afforded us, that we may be conscious, Lord, of the, the power of a sin, that nothing has dominion over you, nothing is greater than what you have done for us on the cross. And today, Lord, where there are moments that come to mind where, where we know we have, have gone against what your will for us is, where there are moments, Lord, when we have ignored you and ignored the, the sense of our souls yearning for your, your presence with us. We ask for your forgiveness. And thank you that you are more willing to, to forgive than we are to ask. We receive your grace. We rejoice in your love. And we relish in the fact that we are connected to you with no sense of, of baggage or anything holding us back. For you are a God who doesn't remember our sins. A God who is gracious. A God who forgives. Be with us in this worship service, we pray. Speak into our hearts. May you be glorified. May we hear your Holy Spirit. May our souls connect with you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, as together we pray the prayer that you taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. In our next installment in the series on soul keeping, we are looking at the fact that our souls need a present and a future. Our souls need to be with God in the present and in the future that is to come. This is the next aspect of how we take care of our souls, how we, how we do the work of soul keeping. And our two readings this morning are firstly from the book of Isaiah chapter 40 verses 1 to 8 and then from John chapter 15 verses 1 to 11. Isaiah 40 verses 1 to 8. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, and rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness are like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fail. But the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass, 
The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. And then a very well-known passage from John chapter 15, reading from verses 1 to 11, entitled The Vine and the Branches. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Part of our service of worship is bringing to God our prayers of intercession. Those are the prayers that we pray for others, as well as our thanksgiving prayer for the offering. Over this period of time, many people have transitioned over to electronic giving or online giving, And uh, there are still many who come and bring offerings faithfully into the office each week. We thank you for that contribution to God's work. And as we uh, pray for that offering, as we dedicate it to Him, know that giving those gifts is your spiritual act of worship, a way in which we honor God with all that we have, a way in which we declare to God that He is on the center throne of our lives and nothing else. If you would like to uh, worship God in this way, you can find the bank details on the church's uh, webpage on uh, the giving tab. Please mark the gift city offering and you are free to leave your name out. Otherwise, if you would like to bring it into the office, you are still welcome to do that as well. Shall we pray? Lord God, we don't need to have people physically bringing offering bags up to the front for us to let you know that you are the number one priority in our lives. We serve you above all else. We honor you with everything that we have. And we seek, Lord, in the gifts that we give to bless you because we love you and we desire to show that love in a physical way. Would you take these gifts, we pray, use them to be a blessing to others. Take them together with the greater gift of ourselves, 
as we offer not only what we have, but all that we are. Lord God, this morning we want to remember those who are in need of our prayers. We think particularly at this time, Lord, of those who have lost jobs or are starting to transition back into work. We think of small business owners and people who have struggled through these months and will struggle through the next few months as government aid begins to uh, slowly taper off. Lord God, we pray for, for people to have a sense of, a common sense in doing their businesses, in running their finances. We pray, Lord, that the unemployment rate would go down and that people would find work and in finding work would find a sense of hope and dignity. Lord God, we place our country, indeed we place the world economies into your hands. We pray for third world countries who don't have the kind of resources we have in fighting this pandemic. We ask, Lord, that you would be in those situations. We pray, Lord, for those who do not know the beauty of a soul connected to you, those who seek meaning and and those who struggle with being lost. May the work of this church reach them. May what we do here bring an impact in their lives in one way or another. For what we say this morning, Lord, is that we offer ourselves to be used by you in service in this community. We pray these prayers, Lord, with the unspoken prayers of our heart, those things that are known only to us and to you. Loved ones we care about, relationships we worry about, finances we struggle through, issues that we face. You know all of them. We lift those prayers to you this morning as well. And we thank you that you're a God who hears and a God who answers. And now, Lord, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. We pray, Lord, that through what is spoken, your Holy Spirit may take what is said and allow each one to hear a message that makes sense to them, that is relevant for them, that lets them know that your Spirit is speaking and that their soul is yearning for connection. So speak, Lord. We, your children, are listening. Amen. The human being is indeed a, a strange creature. We are made up of hopes and dreams and thoughts and feelings and desires and wants that we very seldom understand and only sometimes can control. Sometimes our desires are so strong that we don't even call them desires anymore. We call them cravings. And those cravings are so powerful that they'll lead us to act in completely unreasonable ways, illogical ways, sometimes embarrassing ways, in order for us to get what is needed to satisfy the craving. I remember when Debbie was pregnant. She took all the right vitamins and did everything by the book. But there were a few moments when these cravings would hit. 
And for Debbie, the cravings was either avocados or watermelons, neither of which was in season. And on top of that, the cravings always seemed to hit when the shops were closed. I can remember literally driving to a servo at midnight, even though I knew that they didn't sell avos, just to be able to go home to bed and truthfully tell Debbie that I had checked. And I was right. They don't sell avos, which didn't help Debbie. We have cravings for other things too. At this particular point in our lives with coronavirus having dominated this year so heavily, many people are craving physical contact with others. Since restrictions have been lifted, it's been very difficult to see people who you haven't seen in a while and not shake their hands or give them a hug. I've done a, a few funerals through this isolation period and um, and you just realize that it's almost an impossibility for people who live far away from each other not to share any physical contact when they're faced with this moment of pain. It's almost an impossibility for them not to give each other a hug. I overheard one person say to another, I don't care about coronavirus, I need a hug. And we all know that they really do care about the virus and they do care about containing the spread, but they crave that contact. They need that contact and there's nothing else that will satisfy that need. We have needs, we have cravings, and no matter what happens, those needs and cravings will not be satisfied by anything other than what that craving is for. If I came back from that servo with a packet of Tim Tams instead of an Avo, well, let's just say that I wasn't smart enough to try that, or at least not for a second time. In the same way, our souls have cravings too, and they will not be satisfied by anything other than that for which the craving is for. The soul craves the presence of God. The soul needs to be with God. The soul needs to be with God now, and the soul needs to be with God into the future. You only have to read Scripture to know that the soul is almost obsessed with this need to be with God. Psalm 33, the soul thirsts, my soul thirsts for the, for the mighty one like parched land thirsts for water. Psalm 143 speaks uh, of an intensely focused desire that the soul has for God. Psalm 42 that we looked at last week, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. The soul seeks God with its whole being because it is God that integrates us. It's God that makes us whole, that connects us, which is why that soul is smitten with God and obsessed with God and craves God. And why that soul will not find rest until it finds its rest in God. That's why so many people are searching or looking for something more that will satisfy them. They look to money or fame or power or sex or sometimes they don't even know what they are looking for. They just know that they haven't found it yet. Because somewhere deep inside, they have a sense of longing. There's a sense of dissatisfaction, of knowing that they need something more. That is the soul 
that needs God and will not rest until it finds him both now and in the future. We see this in the story of the Garden of Eden where God takes considerable time to make a place where he can be with man and woman. This is God's desire to be with us. He comes to them. He walks with them. He spends time with them. This is the picture of how the soul needs to be with God. This is how God intended it. But that beauty and connection is destroyed by sin. And the whole rest of Scripture from that point on is the story of that craving needing to be filled and God making a way for that to happen. We read of God being with Moses and with Samuel and with Gideon and with David and with Ruth and with, with so many others until one day God makes a way for a child to be born. And that child is called Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. And we see in this beautiful picture of Jesus a glimpse of what having the soul craving fulfilled sorry a glimpse of what having the soul craving uh, being filled is all about in John we read Jesus say I am the vine and you are the branches if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit but apart from me you can do nothing remain in me and your joy your joy your happiness will be complete. Soul keeping is about remaining in the vine. It's about staying connected to God. It's about fulfilling the deepest craving of our souls and living intimately with Jesus in this present moment and in future moments to come. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. We often read that passage and we, we think to ourselves, well, we, we take eternal life just to mean the duration of the years of eternity. And yes, that's technically true. But the way this term is used in the New Testament, it's not just about the quantity of years, but about the quality of years. You will bear much fruit. Your joy will be complete. Your life will reflect the presence of God just like the early church that we read about at Pentecost a couple of weeks ago, where the followers of God, of Christ, became known because there was something different about them. There was something different in the way they lived their lives, in the way they loved, in the way they cared for others, in the way they were connected to God. There was something different in the way the craving of the soul was being fulfilled. Soul-keeping is remaining in the vine. It is cultivating a sense of the presence of connectedness that we have with God now and into the future. And I want us to look at that connectedness in the future first. That may sound a bit strange, but, but we are the only creatures in the whole world that have the ability to extend ourselves into the future. Other creatures live very happily, not worrying or thinking about tomorrow but not us. Our souls need a future. We instinctively know that we need a future. But we also know that there's a problem because our souls are covered with flesh. And we all know what happens to flesh. As if we didn't know, we can read about it in Isaiah. All flesh is like grass 
and all its glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord God stands forever. We know that flesh is temporary. Perhaps we don't like to think about it, but deep down we know because we see it all around us. Even for those who maybe the odds are in their favor, we know that the athlete will lose their speed and athleticism. We know that supermodels will get old and no longer be on the cover of magazines. Even wealthy and powerful billionaires get betrayed by their temporary bodies. They cannot fight the, the nature of the flesh. I actually remember an article about Steve Jobs, the founder of, of Apple Computers, um, an article of an interview before he died in which the interviewer asked him about his billionaire status and his net worth. And, and Steve Jobs replied, yes, those, those figures are correct, but I'd trade every single cent for a healthy pancreas. No one escapes that. But despite our knowledge of certain death one day, the craving for God is there. Because God has put eternity deep within our hearts. It is part of our makeup. It is, it, it is part of the souls that we have. The grass doesn't know that it is here today and gone tomorrow. But we do. And because of that, we have this desire for deeper connection. We have an eternal desire for significance. Where the grass doesn't know and doesn't care that it's going to die and doesn't need a future, we are different. We have a craving for eternal connection. We want to know that life will go on beyond the grave. We have a craving that cannot be satisfied in this world because God has made us for eternity. And we have a need to be connected with that. A little while ago, I was watching an interview with Neil deGrasse Tyson. And he's a famous astrophysicist from uh, the United States. I really enjoy listening to him and, and seeing some of the, the programs on space that, that he's developed. He's a very, very clever man. He's also an atheist. And the interviewer, who was a friend of his, was teasing him about their two different belief systems. The interviewer was a committed Catholic, and Neil obviously was not. And the interviewer said, so you believe that when we die, it's all over. That's it. Nothing more. And Neil actually said, no, not at all. I want to be buried, not cremated, so that my body can be broken down and the nutrients will feed the soil and be part of what sustains new life here on earth. I want to give back. I want the energy to go back into the earth. I want to give back for the life that I have been given. And I thought to myself, Wow, that might not be a Christian statement, but it is a soul statement. There is a desire there for life to be more. Even for the atheist, there's a desire for life to go on, for there to be some kind of eternal significance. He isn't aware of what the significance he craves is. He isn't aware that that, that, that craving is for a connection with God. But God has placed eternity within the soul. It is in our human souls. Dallas Willard says, You are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. 
And it is in this connection, friends, that we find hope. There's an old saying, hope springs eternal. Isaiah said, all flesh is like grass, but the word of the Lord stands forever. It's in cultivating a sense of connectedness with God into the future that brings for us a hope that will never die, that enables us to see beyond the tragedies of this life ending is new life beginning. A hope that tells us that no matter what we're going through, God will bring joy in the end. God will make all things right. For nothing here that is temporary will be greater than that which is eternal. And that which is eternal is in the DNA of our very souls. There's another old saying that says, Don't worry, it will all work out in the end. And if it hasn't worked out, then it isn't the end. It's a simplistic saying, yes. But I find it wonderfully hopeful as we cultivate within our souls the knowledge that all eternity is in God's hands. And our souls connect with that, not just for the moment, but they cultivate this continual sense of knowing that there's an eternal significance in our lives, an eternal significance that is filled with hope. The soul needs God. It needs to connect with him into the future. But the soul also needs to be with God in the present. Last week I mentioned briefly Brother Lawrence and his book, Practicing the Presence of God. Now, Brother Lawrence entered into the monastic life as a young man, and he spent all his days as a cook and a dishwasher in, uh, in the monastery. And all that time he had been so devoted to God. He had been cultivating this private connection with God to such an extent that he was continually experiencing this connection of his soul in the present moment that he was in, right there while he had his arms in the sink, right there while he was cooking in the kitchen. Those were moments where, where there was this soul connection in a beautiful way. Today, his book, Practicing the Presence of God, is thought to be the most widely read book other than the Bible. When the soul is connected with God in the present, it doesn't matter if you're a prince or a king or someone who's washing the dishes. The craving is satisfied not by what you do, but by who you are with when you're doing it. The craving of the soul is satisfied not by what you do, but by who you are with when you're doing it. And it all begins with this simple challenge. How many moments of my life today can I fill with the conscious awareness and surrender to the presence of God? How many moments of my day can I fill with the conscious awareness of God's presence and a surrender to that presence? Can I keep God in mind today regardless of what I am doing? And I won't lie to you, but when it comes to soul keeping, this is right up there with some of the most difficult things to do. I have gone to meetings and have realized in the middle of the meeting that that for a period of time I have not connected with God. I have not consciously been aware of Him. 
My mind has not sought to listen or to, or to interact with him. And that could even be a meeting for the church. And you have to quickly pull it back. It is tough to do this. Or when you're driving along on the road or when you're cleaning your house or when you're working or when you're looking after the kids and, and you run that internal monologue through your head and it's all about how busy you are and how much you've got to get done and you feel hurried and impatient and ill-tempered and frustrated. This is tough. How many moments of my day can I live in the presence of God regardless of what I do? Can I surrender to the presence of God regardless of what I'm doing? It is tough, but there is some practical ways to make that happen. Firstly, we look to experience God's glorious presence. And the key word here is glorious. God wants to make every moment of our lives glorious in His presence. This is the core of what living life with God is all about. This is what Jesus means when he says, if you remain in the vine, he is in us and we are in him. That our joy is his joy and that joy is made complete in that moment. This isn't about doing more religious activities or, or strengthening devotions. This is the sense of inner peace that comes with the connectedness of the soul that we're talking about. And it's there for the experiencing in every single moment that we live. If we can, it's as if we can look at our, our diary for the day and hear God saying to us, Stuart, in the next two hours you can go through them without me. You can feel pressured and angry and sorry for yourself and impatient and frustrated and annoyed for these next two hours. Or you can do the next two hours with me. You can be glad that you're alive and thankful for the life that you have. You can be joyful that you have work to do and conscious that the work doesn't include running the whole world. You can be calm and peaceful and relaxed and patient and kind. What's it going to be? With me or without me? To experience his glorious presence is to know that the beauty and splendor, the wonder and the magnificence of that craving for the presence of God to be satisfied, regardless of what you're doing, can happen in that moment. And I'm willing to bet that if you haven't already experienced this, then you've seen people who experience this. They're the people who we look at and notice their sense of peace and their sense of wisdom, their sense of calm, and the joy that it is to be around them. They're the ones that we look at and say, there's something about them. There's something about them. They are experiencing the glorious presence of God in that very moment. And the good news is that that offer is for me and for you as well. Sometimes we think experiencing the glorious presence of God is all about trying to sin less. <clears throat> but in all our efforts not to sin, what do we end up doing? Focusing all our attention on sin. Giving all the power back to sin. God wants our focus on Him. He wants us to be with Him, to relax and to enjoy His presence. There are 86,400 seconds in a day. How many of them can you live in the presence of God? I'll tell you this, in all of them, 
in all 86,400, your soul craves God's presence. <clears throat> so to know God is present is to experience his glorious presence. But secondly, it's to engage him in the small moments. We often do think of God in the, in the obviously big spiritual moments of life. There are times when we sing certain hymns or songs that we, we feel so connected to God and our souls rejoice. There are moments when we see a sunrise or a sunset or we gaze upon the wonder of our children or our grandchildren and they're playing or, or sleeping and, and we sense that connectedness with God in that present moment. It can almost be tangible. But not every moment is a hymn singing moment. Not every moment is a sunrise or a sunset. If we are to know the soul's craving for God fulfilled in the present moment, then we have to engage God in the small moments of life. This past Thursday, I had a, a day-long meeting in Gympie, which for those who are watching and maybe don't know the geography of the area, it's about two and a half hours drive south of Bundaberg. It's a very pleasant drive made all the more pleasant by the fact that I was doing it alone and it was the first time actually that I had been driving such a long distance since the isolation restrictions had been lifted. Can you believe it? I was even looking forward to the meeting, looking forward to seeing people that I hadn't seen for a while and, and having this nice quiet drive. I love, I love driving. But with two learner drivers in the house currently, I'm not getting to do too much of it and their learning is more stressful than I remember my learning actually being. So I was looking forward to this drive. I downloaded a whole new playlist of songs uh, to listen to. I got a couple of podcasts ready and lined up, and I had some nice things to eat and a thermos of coffee, and I was all set to go. But as I began to drive and having this sermon in mind, I thought to myself, this is one of those little moments. You need to engage God in the small, mundane moments. Let God and you enjoy this drive together. And so I made a conscious effort, not to simply say a prayer or spend time in prayer, but to just be together with God. To imagine God sitting next to me in the car. Okay, I hadn't brought enough food for the both of us, but I'm sure God wouldn't have minded that. But I knew it was about engaging Him in the moment. I'm sure that God would have loved to listen to my playlist or my podcasts with me if I had chosen to do so, but, but it, it's not about the activity. It's about acknowledging the presence of God in the activity. As it turns out, I didn't listen to anything I had planned to, and I had a two-and-a-half-hour car trip that felt like it went by in an instant because it was just so enjoyable to engage God's presence in the moment. Soul keeping is about engaging him. Not in the obviously, not only in the obviously spiritual moments, but in the mundane and in the ordinary. And when we begin to do that, <clears throat> a third thing starts to happen, which is the surest sign of connecting with God in the present. You begin to empathize with his people. You start to see other people differently. You start to see them through the eyes of Jesus. So about halfway through this trip, 
I'm in uh, probably a string of three or four cars, driving along, minding my own business, having the most wonderful drive with Jesus, when all of a sudden, the guy in the car in front of me opens up his window and very angrily and aggressively gives me the finger, not once, not twice, but three times. And do you know, I'm actually still at a loss as to, as to why he did it. I wasn't tailgating him, or at least not in my opinion. I checked my headlights to see if they had maybe been on, on, uh, on, on brights, but they weren't. I was going the speed limit. I had no idea why he was so angry with me. And while I was trying to figure it out, while I was thinking about it, uh, he started slowing down to turn off uh, the highway to turn left and, and took the moment again to flip me off a few more times. Now, I've actually got a standard response to this. You see, I, I, don't, um, I don't give them back their same greeting. I don't give them the satisfaction of uh, just returning what I've been given. But for some reason, and I don't know where this came from or why, I, I try to see if I can make them even more angry. Uh, now, please understand that, uh, that this is a little bit of a confession. I'm not proud of this fact at all. But I kind of think, well, if they're angry already, why not just commit to it and go the whole hog and get absolutely hopping mad? And so I'll kindly and generously help them to get there. I know it's not a good thing, and I'm not proud of it. And the way I do this is... Like I said, I don't give them signs. I don't flash my lights. I don't tailgate them. I don't break the law in any way. All I do is I very clearly and very intentionally blow them a kiss and give them a little wink. I tell you, it works a charm. If you think that they were mad before, you should see them after you blow a couple of kisses at them and cheekily wink at them. And... I was preparing to do this. Ironically, I was preparing to do this while busy talking to Jesus. And I was having this conversation with Jesus, speeding up a little bit to get alongside and blow this kiss, when it suddenly hit me, you're ready to make this guy absolutely fuming. And at the same time, you're talking to Jesus. And do you know, the sense of connectedness with God in that moment did something to me. And through no effort on my part, I suddenly saw him through different eyes, through Jesus' eyes. thought to myself, maybe he didn't sleep well. Maybe he's had a, a fight with his wife or, or, or some argument at home with the children. Maybe he has a child who's sick in hospital. Maybe he's hungry. Maybe he's hurting. Maybe he's sad. Maybe he's lonely. Maybe he's depressed. Maybe a combination of all of them. Maybe it's none of those things. Maybe it's just a person who has never known the sense of connectedness of his soul being with God in the present moment. Whatever it was, blowing him a kiss wasn't going to help. And so I just calmly drove past. He flipped me off a few more times as I, as I went by. But the interesting thing was that I felt no anger. I felt no sense of going over the issue in my mind over and over, trying to work out who was right and wrong. No, no need to replay the incident in my head. No sense of needing to justify anything. There was just a sense of genuinely feeling sorry for him. To know that our soul needs to be with God in the present. 
is to begin to empathize with these people. Friends, can you imagine how different this world would be? How much violence would be turned around? How much anger would be dissipated? How much rhetoric would be left unsaid if we were with God in the moment? If we were conscious of His presence connecting with our souls in the present moment? To know that our souls need to be with God in the present is to experience His glorious presence. It's to engage Him in the small moments and it is to empathize with His people. Our souls will never rest until the God-given craving for Him is satisfied in the present and in the future. And it comes down to the simple act of asking ourselves, is God here with me in this moment and knowing that if he's not he could be amen let us pray lord god as we continue to journey through soul keeping and learning how to care for the most important part of ourselves we thank you lord that our souls are are about the present and the future. That our souls know that there is an eternal significance and in that significance we find our hope. We thank you, Lord God, for the wonder of souls that can connect with you in the present, every second of the day. That we can experience, Lord, as your word says, something that is glorious, a joy that is made complete, a happiness that only comes when we are connected to the vine. Help us, Lord God, to engage you in these moments. Help us, Lord, to be conscious of your presence. Help us to seek that glory. Help us, Lord, in those moments when we are with you to be able to empathize with your people, to see them as you see them. For we know, Lord, as we do those things, not only are our souls connected, not only are those cravings fulfilled, the need for a, for a present and a future. Not only are those cravings fulfilled, but you are glorified and your will gets done in this world. Guide us, we pray. We want to be faithful. Amen. Friends, it's been lovely to share with you this morning and I pray that you would have a blessed day or a lovely evening and whatever time you're watching this. Uh, I forgot to mention it at the beginning but if you haven't done so please send us a comment. Tell us where you're watching from. We will reply to those comments. We love to connect with you. That's part of the reason we do a live service each Sunday because it brings that sense of togetherness just that much closer. So drop us a comment um, let us know where you're watching from. It's been great to be with you, and I pray that you would have a blessed week. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and those whom we love this day and forevermore. Amen.